papers. And we're yeah. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the third Thursday of the month, which means it's time for the Lifestyle Docs, Dr. Munich and Dr. Bandana Chala. And they're going to do a review basically of the last, I believe, six or so shows that they did talking about lifestyle medicines. And you'll also have an opportunity to ask questions live after we get to the ones that have been pre-submitted. Please welcome them to the show. I'm so glad you got the memo that we were all wearing blue today. (laughs) (laughs) So this is not planned at all, but it's... It's awesome that Chef AJ and Manish and I ended up all wearing blue. It's just so funny because I had an orange shirt pulled out and I don't know what the last minute I got this message. No, no. But you both look great. It's nice to see you both together. I know sometimes only one can come. So this is what have you been up to? And do you, are you still doing your monthly meditations or are they weekly? Uh, we do them twice a month, first Saturday and third Saturday. So we're doing our meditations, our yoga. This Saturday, we actually have Tai Chi Chi for the first time. time. Yeah. That's fantastic. Has anyone found you just from being on the show? I sure hope so, because we put that in the chat every time. You know, uh, someone has seeked out in terms of doing a program with me, and they mentioned Chef AJ, but not anybody for meditation. For meditation, no, but they have come like to the clinic as patients. That's fantastic. Well, maybe they're not interested in meditation because they don't <laughs> think they don't see the benefits. You know, it's one of those things that has a pretty steep learning curve, and that sort of dis- dissuades a lot of people. So I, I totally get it. You know, it's just one of those things. Maybe you have to be ready for it. And some people just are, you know, sort of like predilection, you know, some people can play, pick up a tennis racket and play tennis right away. But this is, it's a little bit of a steep learning curve, I would say. Do you both have a meditation practice that you do religiously? I don't like that word, you know, uh, that you try to do every day? Yeah, yeah. Me, I can only sit for like 10, 15 minutes at a time. He can do 30 minutes to an hour, much more than I can. <laughs> yeah. And we, but we both do but it every day. Do it regularly. I still sit every day. Do you guys do it together or do you like, do you do it when you first wake up? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. but We do it separately. Do it separately. Nice. Nice. So you yeah. said you, you were going to do review lifestyle medicine. There, there are six principles, I believe, or yes. Yeah. So we've gone through each one with your community. Um, you know, the pillars of nutrition, exercise, stress management, sleep, avoidance of tobacco, limiting alcohol and other substances, and healthy relationships and community. So today we thought we'd kind of just do a review of all six of them and then also take questions about any of them. Um, that sounds fabulous. Okay. Uh, I'm let me just briefly share the uh, screen. Let's see. How should we do that? Um, I'm pretty, I think I enabled it. Let me you double did, check. You did. I'm not seeing the, I'm just going to change something. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Maybe change the view. Exit full screen so I can, I think I have to like highlight the thing that I'm trying to show. And let's try it one more time. 
people scream and we share. Because when I was doing share, it wasn't coming up, but here it is. Great. So. Perfect. And let me go to slideshow. Okay. Here we go. All right, so this is just to remind everyone, as Chef AJ mentioned, there are six principles or six pillars of lifestyle medicine. And I'm gonna start off with healthful eating and then we'll just kind of take turns. Sure. Okay, so healthful eating. So if you've been watching Chef AJ for a while, you've got this sort of mastered, but just to review everything, what we're trying to do, and especially when we're talking in the community uh, is basically, reduce or if possible, eliminate all animal products and reduce and or really cut down all processed foods. So then a lot of times the question is like, what am I gonna eat? So basically whole plant foods. And a lot of my patients are scared of potatoes. And I said, okay, if you're eating a potato with the skin on, not drenching it in butter or cheese, you can eat as many potatoes as you want. And most of them are just shocked. I said, potato is a whole food, okay? It's not the potato that's you know, adding to your waistline, it's the cream, the butter, and the cheese. So basically eating out of the garden, eating whole grains, eating quinoa, millet, wild rice, any of your favorite grains, eating beans, legumes, peas, lentils, any of these uh, plant foods, which are whole grain and also happen to be very high in protein, eating all sorts of vegetables, eating from the rainbow, you know, bell peppers, broccoli, eggplant, leafy green vegetables, spinach, anything along those lines. And what am I forgetting? Yeah, that's good. Um... So, you know, it's a journey. We tell our patients they don't necessarily have to go from standard American diet to whole food plant-based diet right away. For some people, they can do that. Mm -hmm. um, overnight, they'll watch a documentary and stuff and throw out all the junk from their pantry and their fridge and freezer and just go whole food plant-based. But for a lot of people, it needs to be um, steps. Yeah. in that direction. And whichever one is right for you, it's perfectly fine as long as you know that that's the goal that you, we are moving towards. So some people can take giant uh, leaps and some need little steps, but what we as lifestyle docs want you to do is to increase your whole plant foods and decrease and ideally eliminate animal foods and also processed foods. So just real quickly, I'm gonna mention one acronym and I think I learned it on Chef AJ, SOFAS. This is something uh, I think, uh, I think uh, Dr. Roseanne talks about and maybe other speakers too, but basically just a short review of SOFAS. So S stands for sugar and other, you know, even honey and maple syrup, things that are high glycemic index. O stands for oil or other forms of processed fat. F for flour, A for animal products and alcohol, and S for salt. So if you're trying to be healthy, you know, you really need to pay attention to all five, but especially if your goal is to lose weight, the flour really needs to go. And this is something that's a little bit of a struggle for a lot of my patients. They can even buy into sugar and oil, and then they have to like really reduce flour. That's a lot of times, and it doesn't necessarily for everyone, 
that if your goal is to lose weight, then really we need to at least reduce, if not, you know, just use it on special occasions. So, you know, that's kind of our general information we give our patients around food. And we can take questions all at the end, or we can take questions about food right now, whatever you think is going to work best. Chef yeah, let's, let's, um, since I'm not, um, let's uh, take them at the end. Okay. Okay, so then I'll go on to the second pillar of exercise or physical activity. Um, so I love how this um, infographic has everything like a puzzle that fits in together because you could have the best diet, eliminate the sofas, do everything right. But if you're sitting on a sofa all day long um, and not exercising and stressed about various things and watching the news and TV that's making you more anxious, um, or smoking and not getting enough sleep because you're scrolling on, on social media late into the night, um, then you're still not going to have that holistic health. That is our goal. So besides nutrition, we also want to focus on exercise. Um, so as lifestyle doctors, we recommend at least 150 minutes a week if you are trying to maintain your weight and if you're trying to maintain your health. However, if you're trying to lose weight or if you're trying to um, reverse diseases or improve your health, um, then we really wanna take that up to 300 minutes a week. Um, after 420 minutes a week, which is an hour a day, things kind of plateau off and exercising more than that is not really shown to improve our health that much more. Um, and in terms of what kind of exercise to do, it's really whatever gets you moving. Um, so a lot of these, a lot of people are now telling me about the new Blue Zones uh, Netflix series called Living to 100. Um, people in the Blue Zones, they don't have gym memberships. They don't have exercise time, but they're just moving throughout the day. So for my patients, a lot of them will um, do walking or dancing or strength training. Um, water aerobics, swimming, running, biking, anything that you enjoy and that you will do, it's perfectly fine to do. Um, we do now also recommend a couple of days of strength training because that has been shown to improve bone density in women and prevent osteoporosis. It's been shown to improve your muscle mass and reduce stability uh, in old age. So we do recommend trying to get in all kinds, a bit of balance, uh, a bit of um, aerobics and cardiovascular endurance, and a bit of strength training. Yeah. And, you know, the primary recommendations are for, as Dr. Uh, B mentioned, are for aerobic activity. And, you know, when she mentions 300 minutes of uh, aerobic activity in a week, the she's talking about moderate intensity. Yeah. And just very briefly, I can go over what's low intensity, moderate intensity, and high, you know, high intensity. So low intensity is like you know, just walking at a casual play, uh, pace, and you can sing if you so choose to do so. Whereas if you're doing moderate intensity, you're not gonna be able to sing. You can you know, jog with your partner, you can carry on a conversation, but you're not gonna be able to sing. And high intensity is, you know, you can't even talk. You can barely talk. So when you're like sprinting, you know, there's not 
anything else that you can do. So just as a rough gauge, so 300 minutes of moderate intensity is what we try to get our patients to do, along with, as Dr. B mentioned, you know, balance and flexibility exercises like yoga, like Tai Chi, uh, and strength training. Okay, anything else you want to add? No, I think we could go to stress management. Okay, the next important pillar, or I think they're all important, uh, you know, food being central, uh, is stress management. And this is, you know, no one size fits all approach. And, you know, before we got on, uh, maybe we talked briefly about mindfulness meditation. And I mentioned to Chef AJ that there's a steep learning curve. So it doesn't work for everyone. So that's not the only thing that people can use for stress management. Physical activity, especially aerobic physical activity, being in the garden, you know, working in the garden, being in the soil, just walking in nature can do it. Uh, also doing yoga or some movement exercises, uh, Tai Chi, any of these are wonderful ways. Another uh, stress management tool that is particularly popular with my patients is journaling. Mm -hmm. So you have to find, you know, what works for you. There's just no one size fits all. But breathing exercises, many of your patients. Yes. Like yeah, thank you. So, right, and breathing exercises. Uh, and what else? Uh, um, playing a musical instrument or, yeah. or singing or music in general, listening to music. Yeah, so all of those. And you guys can probably add on a couple more. So, the key is to not get to that state of overwhelm that, that then you're using these techniques. And it's fine to use them when you're in that state of overwhelm. What I recommend for my patients to do is to do these on a regular basis. So with this, you're gonna be building your resilience. You're building the amount of uh, things that you can handle, that you can manage without being overwhelmed. So if you like to play music, you know, do that frequently, you know, several times a week, exercise, journaling, you know, the key is doing it consistently. So that's, you know, kind of usually our advice. And if you are interested in trying out mindfulness meditation, as Lifestyle Docs, um, we do it uh, with our community on the first Saturday and third Saturday at nine in the morning central time. And the Zoom link for that is, it's also available online. And the Zoom link for that session is available on our website. So anybody in the community can join. Um, so we'll go on to the fourth pillar of lifestyle medicine, which is avoidance of tobacco, limiting alcohol and other substances. Um, this is the one that we often spend the least amount of time with because most people are familiar with this quite well. They know the dangers of smoking, not just in terms of lung cancer, but also in terms of other cancers like bladder cancer, throat cancer. Um, and not just cancer, but heart disease as well. Um, and then alcohol. So this is something that more data is coming out on now. Um, used to be disassociated with things like hepatitis and liver cirrhosis and liver cancer. But now we know that it also increases your risk for several cancers, including breast cancer in women. So more than three drinks a week for women does increase risk for breast cancer, which is not news I like to give um, to my patients, but it is the data that's out there. So we need to be reducing that as well. 
Um, what else do you have to add on for that? And I would just say that, you know, alcohol is not a health food. You know, you see so many advertisements for, you know, red wine, raise your HDL, this is good for heart disease. So really, if you really want to lower your risk for heart disease, eat the grapes. You don't need the alcohol. And really, alcohol is a toxin. So in my you know, viewing of the literature, really no amount is safe. And the less you can do, the better. And ideally, you know, if you can eliminate it altogether, I think that's wonderful. Okay, so next pillar we can uh, briefly touch on is sleep. And sleep is something that is, you know, we as Americans, and actually this is throughout the world now, not just in America, that over about the last 120 years, we've lost almost an hour of sleep, which is really kind of perplexing because in general, the amount of time we're spending working is less than 120 years ago, you know, with all the automation, with all the technology, you know, washing machines, other tools and things, uh, we can get things done faster and yet we're sleeping less. So one of the biggest culprits is, you know, devices, whether it's your laptop and checking your email every five minutes or being on social media for several hours, any of those digital devices. And I think this is a fairly common thing that I see with my patients that, you know, we try to build a healthy nighttime routine and they said, okay, I'll just, you know, get on my phone just quickly and just see how my friends are doing. And, you know, before you know it, 20, 30, 40 minutes have passed. And this is what's keeping a lot of my patients up. So sleep is really important for our health because, you know, I'm forgetting, I think his name is Matthew. Matthew Walker, Matthew Walker. Thank you. So if you have not read his book, it is a wonderful read. It's written for, you know, the lay audience, but he has still a lot of science and research in it. And he says that, you know, if sleep wasn't important, you know, nature had, you know, a few billion years to work on this, it would have reduced it or eliminated it altogether. We literally spend a third of our life or should spend a third of our life sleeping. So sleep is very important for the human animal. All the detoxification, all the cleaning out of the brain, of the lymphatics, of the liver, all these areas of the, of the body are really active in sleep because they're detoxifying all the things we get exposed to, whether it's toxins from food, emotional uh, toxins uh, from pollution, all sorts of things that we're exposed to during the day. This is when all the cleanup happens. And if it's not happening on a regular basis, stuff builds up. And that causes inflammation and inflammation fuels any chronic disease. I'm oversimplifying, but I just really want to highlight the importance of sleep for physical health, for emotional health, and for, you know, long-term health and longevity. Yeah, I just wanted to add on that um, we do recommend seven to eight hours, um, up to nine hours. Over nine hours is actually not good for our health. Um, for most people. For most people. Some of us, yes. And then below six hours is really, really deleterious towards our health, to where the, I think new studies are showing that uh, people who are not getting enough sleep in their 40s and 50s, along other things, they're really increasing their risk for dementia. Um, so 
that sleep is just so important in terms of killing off cancer cells, doing all sorts of detox and other things that Dr. M talks about. Um, so the last pillar um, is healthy community, healthy relationships. So that involves relationships with not just your partner or spouse, but your friends, your pets, yourself. Um, relationship with self is very important. And that healthy community is really important. So really hanging out with other people who are also trying to get healthy. So that new Netflix series, Living to 100, it shows people in the blue zones and how important community is to them. And um, we like to say that it's not that people in the blue zones are smarter than us, or it turns out it's not even their genes because when they move to places like America, their health isn't as good. Um, it's more that they are surrounded by people who are focusing on their health. And that's what makes them healthy together. So healthy together makes a big difference. Um, so that's one of the things we try to provide in our clinic as well is that community. So if you guys are in the Houston area this weekend, Saturday, we've got meditation, Tai Chi, and a free cooking class by registered dietitian students from UT School of Public Health coming to our clinic and doing a plant-based cooking class. Um, so I invite you guys to come to those kind of community events or find similar ones um, in your city. Sunday, we have a... a plant-based potluck at one o'clock. Um, and those things are open to the community. Um, they don't have to be our patients to come to these events. Um, and then what else? What else on community? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just easier for most people if they do it together. Yeah. And, you know, you can, uh, from just listening to each other, from sharing recipes, from, you know, just forming relationships. If you are doing it, you get the idea that you're just doing it alone. And mm -hmm. oftentimes, you know, many folks who are eating plant-based feel like that because no one around them is eating in this pattern. So just to know that there's other people doing the same thing and that they're not doing it perfectly, that they are determined they're going to stick with it, allows other people to stick with it, allows other people to stay in it for the long run. So, you know, as we mentioned, all of these things are important. And this is why you know, they're part of the six principles or pillars of lifestyle medicine. So that was just sort of a brief review to kind of remind everyone the importance of each one. And now we're happy to take questions. So I'm gonna stop share and we are ready. All right, well, thank you. Okay, one of them that was sent in in advance from Victoria says, with all the stress we have in our personal lives, plus the horrible, devastating world news, how do you help your patients? What do you suggest for them to do mindfully or specific foods or vitamins to help ease their fears, stress, anxiety, and racing heart? Okay, so this is a very appropriate question, but it's also a difficult one. So there's not going to be any one strategy that's going to you know, be effective even for one person or certainly for different individuals. But I like the way that Victoria asked that you know, we do want to eat the right foods. So if the foods we're eating are supportive of our physical health and emotional health, that'll definitely help. If you're eating more fruits and vegetables, there's more serotonin produced in your gut. And serotonin you know, is the feel-good hormone. So food definitely plays a role. And Dr. B mentioned about the importance of community. 
So whenever, you know, you're hearing some bad news, whether it's a dear friend or, you know, someone across the globe, as long as you can process those feelings, you can talk about it as a community, that'll definitely help. And things you can do personally. And, you know, I'm, I am biased because I do mindfulness meditation every day. And this is a wonderful way in, you know, whether yoga or playing a musical instrument, whatever sort of works for you, because, you know, living in this modern life is very challenging. So we have to build up our reserve. We have to build our resilience and actively work on it and do these things on a regular basis. That's the part I really want to stress that, you know, whatever works for you, uh, you know, part of the solution may be that, you know, maybe watching the news less or not watching it at nighttime, you know, you just kind of see when is a good time to do it and not doing too much of it. I think that'll help. Um, I just wanted to add on that despite all of this, there are times that we're just going to feel down and we're going to feel anxious and we're going to feel disheartened um, with the things that we find out are happening around the world. I mean, I recently went through that. Um, so also having that self-compassion for ourselves is very important, knowing that we can't be happy all the time and we can't be perfect all the time. And these things are going to have, have an effect. And that's part of our human nature of having empathy and compassion for others. Um, and just kind of doing our best for ourselves so we can show up better for the world. Great. Thank you. So I'm seeing some questions in the chat. Where did it go about? Well, there's some controversy about air fryers and, you know, acrylamides and AGEs and that's advanced glycation end products, crispy stuff, darkening the food. What do you think about that? You know, it's funny. I, I don't, I, I, there's so much to worry about in this world that mm -hmm. I, that's, I never even, that never crosses my mind. You know, I've never been to a funeral for anyone that used an air fryer. I mean, the reason that has never been the cause of death because they air fried or, you know, roasted their food. What do you think about that? Because the food were, I think it's more important the food you're eating, really. Right, right. Tell me what you think. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, most of, you know, people talk about that I'm eating only a six hour window, that I'm, you know, all, all these different things, they have some effect. But as Chef AJ mentioned, most of the benefit comes from choosing the right foods. And yes, as she mentioned, you know, cooking a food with air fryer will increase your uh, acrylamides in the food, will uh, increase advanced glycation end products or AGEs. And, you know, if you have someone who has, let's say, heart disease or uncontrolled diabetes, and you're really trying to be strict, or you're trying to be put those things in remission, then really that may be something you want to pay attention to. But for the average person, just eat the right foods. If you're air frying, you know, a few times a week in eating plants and, you know, staying away from processed foods and staying away from animal foods, I think you're going to do just fine. Thank you. White cooking is healthier, but I'd rather have people air fry broccoli than moist cook their red meat. Um, That's so, a great quote. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, everything is relative, right? Right. right. 
I'd rather have them air fry their broccoli than, than steam their salmon or something like that. <laughs> I don't want people to think that I air fry all my food. I don't, I mean, most of the time I am just steaming it, but once in a while, it's just fun to, you know, have air fried yeah. broccoli or air fried potatoes. So, right. yeah, but I'm not afraid of that is what I mean. And yeah. Yeah, great. Oh, big controversy, you know, cause you, you know, I don't feel like people are arguing with you about alcohol and it even, you know, that's the thing because it's like, you know, the blue zones, will they drink? But, but people don't, I don't think people understand that. that I don't think it was the alcohol that is causing them to live to a hundred. And by the way, the people in the blue zones now are not living to a hundred anymore, guys. Right. Their that's offspring are not doing the same thing. And people don't realize it's like the Mediterranean diet. Was it the olive oil or was it in spite of the olive oil? So people think, well, the blue zones drink and therefore it's good. It's not good. I mean, very few people that come on this show i don't think i've had 1700 or so episodes i don't think i've had really one person that has come out and said boy it's it's sure good for you let's all do it <laughs> but coffee seems to be one of those other controversial things because you know and there's a doctor you mentioned rosanna alviera she talks about how it depends on whether i forget what she said a slow or a fast metabolizer of caffeine mm-hmm. that, that for some people it may be okay that doesn't mean it's good but mm-hmm. it's for some people, it really isn't good. Like people with anxiety, for example. Yes, yes. So anxiety, heart disease, hypertension, you know, even if you are a fast metabolizer, you know, you can do a lot better by removing the caffeine. So many of my patients who present with palpitations, first thing I tell them to do is take out the caffeine. Um, And for many of them, the palpitations resolve. Um, That's still the number one cause of palpitations in people is caffeine. Yeah. And, you know, even chocolate, people don't realize how much caffeine uh, chocolate has. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that can actually, especially the raw cacao, you know, which people think is healthier, that can really, for those that are sensitive, uh, speed up the heart. Uh, Aaron says, do you agree with spaghetti made of just durum wheat to be an acceptable starch on a whole food plant-based way of eating? So, you know, since it's uh, made into a pasta, it has been processed, right? So if she's eating farro, you know, whole grain wheat in any form, even cracked wheat, I wouldn't have any issues, you know, whatsoever. So that doesn't mean you can never include it in your diet, but if your goal is to really be optimally healthy and if you have a lot of pounds to lose, then really, you know, even whole wheat, you know, pasta, it's going to be something like a treat, not something you do on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer? It also depends on what you put on it. So if you are otherwise, you know, healthy weight and that's not an issue, if you want to get some of that spaghetti, but have small amounts of spaghetti with large amount of vegetables, um, that's going to be a lot different than mainly spaghetti with a little sauce and processed meatballs or, you know, processed um vegan you know meat or something like that absolutely um uh who uh terry says are you going to be resuming the walk with the doc so we are going through a bunch of things right now including downsizing and selling our home um so probably not the rest of this year I actually just replied back to the walk with the doc people today <laughs> um, saying that hopefully in 2024, we will re- resume. Yeah. Aww. 
They should, they should, they should, whatever the doc likes to do, you know, they should have golf with the doc, bowl with the doc. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We are still doing other things. So yeah, do we're, come we're to doing potlucks and yoga and, you know, meditation and cooking classes. So there's still lots of ways to get together. Nice. Meditate with the doc. Um, somebody's yeah. asking, how does a person find out if they're a slower fast metabolizer of caffeine? I think most people kind of can sense whether or not they're sensitive, but how does one actually find out if they're slow or fast? And this is, you know, some people as doctor, uh, as chef AJ mentioned, you know, are pretty can notice that if I drink caffeine, I'm a little hyper, Maybe my heart beats faster. I'm feeling a little anxious, and I remove that on other days, and I'm or I fine. Can't sleep at night. Can't you sleep know, I'm at, up night. at night. Yeah. So you know, for most people, it's actually fairly easy to see. And then you hear other people, like a former colleague of mine, he can have an espresso at 11 p.m. and go to bed at 11:30, and no problem. So you know, this is something, but. A lot of times it's not sort of cut and dry, but as we get older, if you are suffering from anxiety, have high blood pressure, you know, heart disease, any cardiovascular type issues, then this is something, you know, you, we may not be able to tell 100% that um, how you're doing with your caffeine, but this is certainly a good place to start. Okay, let's eliminate that and see if that helps. So it's really, you know, there's a, uh, before I was a little more sort of hardcore, but as Chef AJ mentioned, and I think Roseanne Oliveira and actually uh, Michael Greger, if you go to nutritionfacts.org, he's got a bunch of videos that's saying that people who are fast metabolizers, they don't seem to be suffering from the ill effects of caffeine. So mm. the ill effects, you know, being hypertension, anxiety, heart disease, other cardiovascular diseases. So it's not like, you know, we want to wait till these things to happen. But if you can pick up on other clues that every time I drink caffeine, I'm a little bit more anxious or, you know, I'm just more wired or, you know, more just feel uneasy in a sense. So I think, you know, that those are good warning signs that, you know, maybe I lay off of it. Great. Thank you. Susanna is saying that her husband has a very stressful, busy job. Do you have any suggestions for micro meditations that he could do? Yeah, absolutely. So I would suggest two things for him. So, you know, in the middle of the day, you can always just take a pause and just take three deep belly breaths, centering breaths, whatever works for him or just watching his inhale and making the exhale a little bit longer, but doing it consciously, purposefully, and just three breaths, you know, literally it takes a minute or less and that will help. And, you know, you can these days put uh, reminders on your mm -hmm. Apple watch or cell phone, you know, every hour, and you may not be able to do it every hour. Maybe you have a meeting, but if you can do it two, three, four times a day, just taking three deep breaths, that'll help a lot. And then secondly, I really encourage my patients to do it at night. And this mm -hmm. is the time they don't necessarily need it, but this is what's going to build the resilience that you can take on more, that you can be in a busy, stressful environment, but you're just more resilient. You're not going to be as vulnerable if you can, you know, develop this practice on a daily basis. Right. She, she also has, has a comment, or maybe it's a question about Please. flour. 
She says many doctors, like I'm assuming plant-based doctors too, don't say to eliminate flour. Can you explain why to eliminate it? So, so you know, I would, I, I mean, I don't want to take credit if I didn't coin the term sofas, but what was happening is I was teaching since 2008 an SOS-free diet, sugar oil salt-free, like Dr. Goldhammer. And what happens is a lot of people were still consuming alcohol because it was the program was already plant-based, the ultimate weight loss program, but they were still consuming alcohol, not realizing it's processed carbohydrate, and they were still consuming tons and tons of flour and both those things and wondering why they wouldn't lose weight. So I added the F and the A, flour and alcohol, because the idea was, is if you want to lose weight and healthy, get, get off the sofas, literally and figure yeah. Yes. But, but I think people don't realize that 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 there's a big difference between flour and bread and crackers and and cereals and you know millet barley you know oats those kind of things. Yeah, no, I completely agree. If your goal is to lose a significant amount of weight, okay, then this is something you know whether it's pasta or bread, these can be occasional treats but this is not a weekly thing or you know doing it you know uh, fairly often but if you are fairly healthy and not overweight as dr b mentioned if your pasta you know eat, people always talk about the uh, mediterranean diet the original mediterranean folks if you kind of go back and look at the history when they're eating pasta it's just a little bit of pasta and it's got lots of vegetables lots of tomato sauce so in that context, you know, if weight loss is not your number one goal, I don't think there's any harm in it. So there's a little bit of nuance, you know, when it comes to that. But if you have a significant, significant amount of weight to lose, and especially if you've been overweight or obese most of your life, it's going to be very hard to lose and especially keep that weight off if you consume flour products on a regular basis. Because the calorie density increases tremendously, right? Yes. Whether you eat it as a whole grain versus when you make it a flour, then. It's like threefold, I believe. I think whole grains are approximately 500 calories per pound. Uh, Processed grains are like 1,500 calories per pound. Right, right. Neat. Oh, here's a question uh, from Dixie. Do you eat turmeric daily? And if so, how much? And if you eat it, do you eat the... The supplements, the fresh turmeric, or the powdered turmeric, or all of the above. Go ahead and take that since I do a lot of the cooking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have Indian origin. So I would say we've eaten turmeric every day of our life, <laughs> pretty much since we started eating solid foods, um, because it's very much used in Indian cooking. Um, we, in general, have turmeric powder that we put in most foods, most lentils, beans, veggies that we make. We put it on there a bit. Um, in, in fact, when we were like building the house, we tried to make the counters kind of have a yellowish tint. So because we knew if we spilled a lot of turmeric on it, it would then stain it. <laughs> um, but the other ways we eat it now is we also actually get the turmeric root and I put a little piece of it in my smoothie every day, just like I put pieces of ginger in my smoothie every day. It's, it's a root just like ginger. Um, actually grows really easily. You could just, whatever turmeric you buy from the store, you could cut it a little bit and just put it under the ground. Um, and a few months later, go harvest it. I mean, it'll come up, but then you go underneath the ground and it would have, the little piece would bring you like a couple of pounds, maybe. Yeah, or maybe a little less. Maybe pound, pound and a half. Um, yeah, so we don't take supplements. Um, 
but mainly just eat it as food. And I highly encourage you to just use it on a culinary basis and, you know, really quarter to half a teaspoon a day is plenty because this is what, uh, you know, populations from India and other surrounding countries, and I'm sure there's other countries too, that's what they've been using in their daily lives for, you know, hundreds of years for sure. And especially, you know, anytime something is a supplement, you're going to end up paying a lot more. There's no proven benefit that that's going to, you know, work any better for you. And the supplement is going to be like a powder. And that powder you can get at a grocery store for, you know, one-tenth the cost. And just since we're on it, I'm just going to kind of add that a lot of times, you know, we get these research and journals are saying curcumin is the active product in turmeric. So, you know, this is where I really want to remind folks of T. Colin Campbell's mm -hmm. excellent work that, you know, we, our body doesn't know nutrient, it knows food. So curcumin is one of the antioxidants or one of the components of turmeric, but there's hundred other compounds that are supporting that are beneficial so you're not going to get the same benefits of, from curcumin as you're going to get from turmeric. So do the turmeric, certainly don't do curcumin. And we encourage you just to use it in your culinary basis and not spend 10 times more without any proven benefit. And sometimes, you know, depending on where you're buying the supplements, there may be contaminants and other issues. So that's at least our bias. Great. Thank you. Here's a question. Um, I just saw it. Yes. Uh, do you have any favorite recipes on your website or what are some recipes you really love? Yeah, so we have a few on our website. Um, there is a green smoothie recipe that's kind of a modification of Rick Goldner's green smoothie recipe that, that I use on a regular basis. Um, this is not on our website, but I really like Dr. Michael Greger's savory smoothie recipe. Um, so it's got no- Actually, fruits. I've added it. Oh, you've added it I mean, we've recipe. tweaked both of these to yeah. kind of suit our own personal taste. And so this is something, you know, we kind of share with our patients. Yeah, so like diabetic patients, we who are, trying, who are doing the program to reverse diabetes, initially we have them do the savory smoothie and not the sweet smoothie. Um, what else? We have like- so this is something we do every day. We either have a sweeter smoothie or a savory smoothie every day. Our other favorite things are quinoa. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of recipes. My mom, uh, who is 89 years old, actually when she uh, got introduced to quinoa, it was maybe five, six years ago, and she'd never known about quinoa. You know, most of her life she's, you know, doing rice or brown rice, maybe a few other grains. And somebody introduced her to quinoa and told her that this has more protein than the other grains. So she is a healthy person. She's been healthy ever since I can remember before lifestyle medicine, before anybody else thought that being healthy was a good thing. All her relatives would tease her, but you know, she's 89 and she cooks her own food, does yoga every day, you know, is very independent. Whereas the other folks have either passed away or are really struggling with health problems. So in any case, just want to shout out to her because she has a couple of quinoa recipes that are on her website, yeah. which are really good and fantastic. Uh, so that's what we eat on a regular basis, uh, beans. So mm -hmm. you make- Beans and lentils. Yeah. yeah. 
on a regular basis. Um, there's some recipes on there, but mainly I just throw it in my Instant Pot <laughs> um, along with water and turmeric and salt and like cumin seeds and, and some spices and tomatoes and onions. And then let the Instant Pot do the thing and it's ready. Yeah. Do you know about the new uh, food delivery, Indian food delivery company, First Seed? No, no we don't. we've not heard. Oh, great. It's wonderful. I've had her on the show twice. She's uh, of Indian descent and she made it, you know, just regular like oil-free vegan. And so I did have her on the show and I said, you know, a lot of my audience wants SOS free. So now she has SOS free. It's pretty good. It comes in these little cups and it comes frozen and you keep it in the freezer and, you know, it's like, you know, dolls and and curries. Uh uh, Yeah, it's it's good. It's called First Seed. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send you when I send you the copy uh, of the show. I'll send you the link to, to her show, and it's yeah, you know, might help some people that don't want to make the food. Yeah, yeah. patients would definitely benefit from that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you, what do you guys do for Thanksgiving? I don't know if you live in a neighborhood with kids, but do you what what do you hand out? Meditation CDs? No, just kidding. Oh, are you talking about Halloween? Yeah, Halloween. Yeah, so this year we're going to give out uh, those cuties, the clementines, uh, and we're going to give out, uh, it's called That's It Bars. That's um, what I'm giving out. Oh, oh. I found the Costco at a reasonable <laughs> price. That's so funny. Uh, somebody Costco, told me yeah. That, yeah, somebody we get told it from me. Costco. Somebody told me that some of the Costco's had it like in Halloween wrappers rather than the regular, but I didn't see those. But I figure, I mean, they're so sweet. Why would a kid not like them? I hope they would. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So that's, you know, they're going to get a choice. They can get a tangerine or a that's it bar, or they can get both. That's what we're offering for <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> that's right. And I'm going to give them uh, the that's it bar. And, and I, I think I'm going to order these things called Pokemon cards that somebody told me kids supposedly love or Costco carries. So we'll, we'll see. This is my first Halloween handing out anything because I've never lived in a place that, that wasn't gated or older that has kids. So it'll be really interesting. The part that I don't like is every time they ring the bell, the dog's going to bark, but we gotta, yeah. maybe I could just wear in a, in something. What do you guys do for Thanksgiving? And what, what do you do for the other holidays? So, you know, since we're of Indian origin, usually we'll cook Indian food, but, you know, um, we've done other we, things. You know, we've gotten, um, you know, a vegan roast and things done. We figured once a year, it's okay to do a little bit of, processed vegan meat yeah. uh, but then we still do a lot of healthy sides of course big salads yeah um, well, thanksgiving is all about the sides anyway i mean most of thanksgiving is vegan when you think about it or yeah, right exactly yeah, good point nice so here's a question um how i have older teens and young adults who are still eating meat for the protein how can mm-hmm. i convince them they'll get enough protein from a plant-based diet this is something, you know, like people who are skeptic, you just have to tell them, just give it a try. You know, don't have to take my word for it. Just give it a try. And, you know, now since you kind of broached the subject, and this is something my patients have a hard time with. So this is our body can only absorb so much protein at any given time. So if you're eating excess protein, two things can happen. One, you take off the amino group and it's turned into sugar, okay? Number two, if there is leftover protein and it's going out your stool, going out into the toilet. And not only that, if there's excess protein in your colon, it putrefies and creates these awful molecules, one of them being TMAO and other things which cause damage to the body. 
So, you know, really adhering to science, not listening to someone at the gym on how much protein you need. And if you are trying to, you know, build muscle, you are younger, you can do more protein than 0.8 grams per kilogram, but really, you know, working with a nutritionist, working with someone who knows what they're doing, you know, looking at your body physique, looking at your weight, looking at your age, saying this is what's going to work for you in terms of protein. And, you know, in terms of percentages, if you're doing a whole food plant-based diet, you're going to get more protein than 0.8 grams per kilogram. In fact, you're going to get closer to 1.2 or about 15% of your calories are going to come from protein. So unless you're really into bodybuilding or doing marathon, you know, most people can gain muscle, no issues with that much protein, but, you know, you can eat more tofu, eat more edamame, you know, really hike up your beans, getting enough protein on a plant-based diet is not an issue. Just give it a try. And you if you have teenage kids, um, I would recommend maybe having them watch um, Game Changers. We had our teenage boys watch that and that made a difference on them. Yeah, I've not met a person yet with protein deficiency in my life. And, <laughs> but uh, and you as doctors, how often do you see that in your practice? I mean, it's, it's only on my like hospice elderly patients, but you know they're eating meat and still having protein deficiency because they're just not absorbing. Great, thank you. Uh, there's a question: Any essential vitamin supplements we should be taking? Yeah, so definitely need B12 if you're on a plant-based diet. Um, I do have some patients who do a lot of nutritional yeast and stuff, and even without supplementation, when I check their blood work, it comes back fine. But in general, we definitely want to be doing B12. Vitamin D, whether we are omnivore or herbivore, these days we need to usually supplement with that too, unless you are spending plenty of time outdoors. I would still get a check because I even have people who do a lot of gardening outdoors. We're still coming back low in vitamin D. So get your levels checked on those things. The other thing that I'm starting to notice in my plant-based patients is low omega-3. Um, so get that checked as well. And if that's low, there's plenty of algae-based omega-3 supplements these days that you can take. Again, you can cut out the man, the middleman of fish because the fish get their omega-3 from algae and just get it there. Um, but all of these B12, vitamin D, omega-3, you can easily get your doctor to order these levels for you to see where you are and if you should be supplementing them. Great. Thank you. Well, but um, before going to like a, a supplement, couldn't somebody try, you know, like having flax seeds, chia seeds, or walnuts? Because actually that was a question. Do you think we should daily eat flax, chia, hemp seeds if we're not taking supplements? Yeah, those are wonderful ways to increase the omega-3s on your diet. And again, you kind of have to see the individual person, you know, if they're trying to lose a lot of weight, then certainly, you know, flax seeds and chia seeds you can do, but, you know, then, then walnuts are going to be very calorie dense. That's another omega-3 source. So it just depends. But really, if you can get it from the food, and even like Dr. V mentioned, some of her patients, even they can do nutritional yeast and other things and keep up their B12 level. That's not most people. But as she mentioned, you can check all these things. So if you're doing them and your lab, uh, your lab numbers are fine and you're not having any clinical symptoms, that's just fine to do. 
And, you know, in some folks, you know, this is more individual, you know, iodine or selenium may be deficient. And again, you know, food first, but if you need to supplement, we can supplement. But the good thing is, you know, we can measure all of these mm -hmm. common things that people tend to get deficient in and really, you know, try to get away from, you know, eating a crappy diet and throwing some supplements on top and I'm going to be good. So, you know, I, I know that's not the question, but I always like to mention that, that supplements are just that they are supplementing the healthy diet that you know, we're all striving to achieve. Yeah. You can't supplement a McDonald's diet. Absolutely. Um, so Aunt, uh, Andrea or Andrea is saying, um, to lose weight, don't we need healthy fats to absorb fat-soluble vitamin, vitamins A, E, D, and K? So even in green leafy vegetables, there is uh, some fat. So fat is pretty ubiquitous. So again, this you know goes back to your health goals. And if you do include nuts and seeds, and some of my patients do, and I say, okay, the only time I want you to include nuts and seeds in your diet is when you're having a salad or green leafy vegetables, because some of the B vitamins are going to be more bioavailable. But at the same time, if you're 100 pounds overweight, I would rather you, you know, really reduce or eliminate the nuts and seeds at least for a while. So this is, you know, all just kind of goes to individual working with the individual patients, see where they are in their journey and what's appropriate for them. So it's hard to make blanket statements that, you know, uh, this is always needed, that nuts and seeds are always needed. At least that's how I would handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, there's a question. Do you guys eat nuts, flax, chia, and hemp seeds regularly? We do. And this is something that, you know, we've been doing for a while, but, you know, for most of my life, and even I think my mom still wants to have me gain a few pounds. So I've been sort of on the skinny to slim all my life. So I could even eat more nuts and it probably wouldn't make much difference. But, you know, I eat the appropriate amount and, you know, chia seeds, flax seeds and hemp seeds, but I've never had a weight issue. Nice. I love that. Let's see. All right. Well, this is great. So you guys, I'm curious, do you do virtual appointments or do people have to live in your area to do that? Is there only an in-person practice? So we can see anybody in Texas. So, you know, during the pandemic, we kind of, you know, made all our programs and you started doing telemedicine. So, but we are only licensed in the state of Texas. So we can only see Texas patients. I've had patients, you know, from San Antonio and other places, and even uh, people from Louisiana, but they drive over here. So that's that's the caveat. They either have to live in Texas or the medical consultation has to be in our office. That's That makes sense. Yeah, you can, that, that's fantastic then. Very good. So what's up, what's next for you guys? So uh, we are busy with, you know, with the community, the healthy things that we're teaching our patients. Uh, we also do it in the community through our nonprofit and we do these initiatives. And, you know, one of the things that's going to be keeping us busy in the beginning of uh, 2024 is called Healthy Together Initiative, where we take folks from underserved areas of Houston and basically introduce lifestyle medicine to them. We have sessions on nutrition cooking classes, 
yoga classes, other movement classes, emotional resilience. And, we have yeah. psychologists. So it's a team, you know, there's several of us that are really passionate about this. And, you know, we, so that's what's going to keep us busy in the beginning of the year. And now we've gotten the University of Houston College of Medicine uh, to kind of buy into this and some of the local churches and the medical students who are fourth years in this medical school are going to be helping us deliver lifestyle medicine into the community. So when you have to teach something to someone, you're going to know it really well. So this, we feel like this is a great way to introduce lifestyle medicine to interested medical students. So that's our big project coming up. Well, that's great. I wish you every success. Last question, and then I'll let you go, is uh, are white mushrooms safe to eat and do you have to cook them? So, uh, and, you know, in general, mushrooms are very healthy, white, button, you know, shiitake, any mushroom is just fine. They do have a little bit of egeritine. And if you're going to be eating them on a regular basis, it is better to cook them because that just a little bit of microwaving or cooking gets rid of, you know, nearly all of the egeritine. So it's a slightly toxic compound, but it's not if you're eating it in a salad every once in a while, even if they're raw, it's perfectly fine. It's one of those dose dependent things. So, but it's really easy to, you know, I think it makes them tastier to cook them. Mm -hmm. And I think the anti-cancer properties of mushrooms are released when they're cooked. Um, and they don't need to be cooked long. So they could be sauteed super quick um, or put in the microwave super quick. And does, you don't have to like cook them right. a really long time at all. Great. Well, thanks so much. It's such it's so fun seeing you guys. And uh, I hope to see you soon. Yes, thank you, you for having us. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific time for Dr. Ron Weiss. The doctor is in where he'll answer your questions. So make sure you get them in advance. Take care, everyone.